You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. How are we doing, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to the Aftermath Episode 4. I am your host tonight, CJ Jones, and I'm here with my brother, my good friend, Chris Tenpenny. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Man, CJ, I want to be honest, it's definitely been better Mondays before, but you know, you know, we're doing all right in here. We're just ready to talk some Chiefs football. Hey, ups and downs, baby. It's part of the marathon. It's all a part of the journey. Chiefs had a tough one yesterday, so we're definitely going to get into that. So what were some of – let's just get straight to it, Chris. What were some of your big takeaways from the game last night? Man, you know the play everyone's talking about. Everyone's still going on about and probably will keep going and on until Sunday when they play the Chargers. But the Ravens (laughs) game came down. There were a lot of things that went wrong with that game, but the, the game was won and lost on one. Not The game was not won or lost on one play, but it sure felt like it when Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbled it late in the fourth quarter, under two minutes left, in field goal range, obviously long field goal range. Man, I got to be completely honest with you. No, I don't agree with the play call. No, the line didn't do a good job blocking on that play. No. No, there was a lot of things that, you know, could have prevented that from happening. But you have to hold on to the ball, Clyde. Like, that's, that's where your it job. starts with me. That's your job. Like, and it just – it sucks because it's his first career fumble. But, man, like, yes, the extra yards would have been nice and for a field goal. But I've seen Butker hit 50-yard field goals. At that point, you're just trying to hold on to the ball and get extra yards if you can. So, that's where it starts with me, man. Hold on to the ball and – we, we don't if, – if Clyde holds on to the ball, we're not talking about the defense. We're not talking about Chris Jones. We're not talking about all these things nearly as emphatic as we are now if he just doesn't fumble the football. No, and, it, and you're right. And, that, and that's where it all comes down to. Everyone wants to pick on usually or point out the last play. That's usually mm-hmm. the one that's the first one on everyone's mind, which is on the forefront. But anyone who watched that game, like me and you, and anyone who knows football knows Clyde's turnover wasn't the only turning point in that game. Right, there were a lot right. of points – like the, the the play for me, the one that was the biggest point is Clyde. Everyone wants, wants to look at the fumble. It's it's Pat's interception on that third down. That's the one that made me the most frustrated because you don't have to make that play. It's third and long. Like you just have to eat it, take the sack, punt the ball, and we move them and they have to march 80, 90 yards down the field. Except he throws that pick. Now they're at midfield. So you just made half of their job easier for them. So mm-hmm. that's just that that's the kind of the give and take we've all said since Pat took the job three years ago. It's the, when he wants to extend the plays and go showtime mode and try to make some magic happen, most of the time it's great. He got it, it, it bit us in the butt that time, so that would have been a play just to take it, take it down. No, you're right, and that that that's a tough look. That interception is one of the. He's had a few bad interceptions across his career. That one might be the worst. Not take situation out of it, just decision making in general. It was ugly, but the reason that one's hard for me to talk about nearly as much is because it was the third quarter. It it was you know 30 yards of field position which is which is a lot but it's not like it stopped if anything it's the reason the Chiefs had time at the end of the game to go down like if you want to break it down that way obviously it plays out a million different ways if they punt that football it's just when a guy when you're Patrick Mahomes you're doing all these other things it's harder for me to be like oh your one mistake was the reason we lost the game while Clyde Edwards-Alaire is averaging three and a half yards a carry as the one of the worst uh, grades on pro football focus 
and then fumbles on in, in the one of the biggest moments. So that's why it's easier for me to pick on him. And, and it's not like I'm losing faith in Clyde. I'm ready to give up with him and done with this man. I don't want that to what it sound like I'm saying. It's just, you know, the Chiefs aren't even in that game without without Patrick Mahomes. So his one bad decision I'm not too hung up on. What Meanwhile, if Clyde wasn't in there, they're still in the same situation as they are regardless. So that's kind of how I feel on that front. No, there, there was definitely a lot of blame to go around. I know a lot of Chiefs right. kingdom, everyone had their player and pit and someone they were frustrated about. And they all should be frustrated. Everyone gets a piece mm-hmm. of the pie. Like, mm-hmm. Pat's turnover was definitely not needed. He could have cleaned that up. Clyde right. definitely shouldn't have fumbled. That's your job to always secure the ball. Defense stopping a run is a whole other story oh in itself. God. The blown coverage for that Hollywood Brown touchdown, that's a whole other right. conversation. So there were multiple plays where guys could have – did a lot more, and it wasn't just one play that lost us the game. It was multiple plays that we wouldn't have had to come down to Clyde's fumble. It shouldn't even have been that close. Right, so right. There were there were multiple moments in the game where we could have sealed the game, won the game, but everyone deserves a piece of that pie. But unfortunately, Clyde's going to get most of the burn because, like you just said, it was, a, it, was a, it was the last play, the one right. everyone thinks about. So, all of kingdom, we are frustrated, but don't be too mad on Clyde. Like, like, we, like you just mm-hmm. said, Chris, he never, ever fumbles. That's just right. not in his exactly. nature. He didn't at LSU. He hasn't been in his two years here, so all we can do is just go to the meeting room, correct it, do your work this week, and then come back Sunday and get ready for LA. That's all you can do now, right? And and we're sitting here talking about the 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 two offensive miscues. I mean, they're really that was about it. Maybe the bad snap by Creed. Like there were three bad offensive plays all game. The defense played bad all night. Like outside of the first play. Or I think it was the second or third play of the game where Honey Badger had a pick six because Sammy Watkins fell down. And then he got another. Other than the two uh, picks by Honey Badger, defense played absolutely terrible. And it's like it's okay. It's okay to be bad at the run. Like it, it's if there's gonna be one weakness, I'm okay with it. That being it, you can't get gashed like that gashed. all all game. Like there's a difference between being bad against the run and being bad against the run. What we saw last night. No, facts. There's like you just said, there's nothing wrong with giving them yards, but giving up 251 rushing yards, that's unacceptable. Especially right. when you have arguably one of the best de- defensive tackles in the league in Chris Jones. And you have not Frank Clark. Not last night. I know. Exactly. He didn't play like last night. Nobody, nobody in that front seven played like the only guy in that defense that played elite football was Nick Bolton and Tyron Matthew and maybe some other guys if you want to sprinkle in. But overall, that front seven, nobody played like they were elite last night. So. Frank did not earn his check last night. Chris did not earn his check last night. And plenty of others could have – because there's some blame to go around as well. Um, but, yeah, overall, like you just said, you got to stop the run, man. There's nothing wrong with giving up plays here or there. And But the main thing of our defense that their notion has been when we turned around from that Bob Sutton era to the Steve Spagnuolo era was that we are a bend-don't-break defense. In between the 20s, we said it's okay to give up yards. Once you get in that red zone, you tighten up, right, and give up threes instead of sixes. They didn't do neither of those last night. You gave up yards and you gave up points. It got to be one or the other, Chris. And we've been saying that the past two years that this defense kind of – and I could just tell what, like going through Twitter and hearing a lot of fans talk, it's just a frustration of the team. It's like they don't want to wake up until it gets tight. How come we can't right. play with that desperation that we played in that Tennessee AFC Championship game? How come we can't play like we're pissed off and people are disrespecting us? We should have that kind of mentality every game, even if it is a week two game against a team that was 0-3 against us. This is their Super Bowl. They, they need to beat us. They've never done it before. Teams are here. They're hearing it from the fan base, the media, our fans, everyone around the league is telling them you've never beaten the Chiefs, and it hasn't been close. And now you have 15 guys in RER. Nobody picked the Ravens to win that game. Everybody thought it was going to be the Chiefs. Everybody thought, and then, like you just said, they started off with a pick six. I told Caleb it's going to get ugly really fast. I think it was going to be that fast. 
<laughs> but we came out with a pick six. I thought it was going to be over from the jump, but then Lamar just came out. He just, they just kept running the ball. They stuck to it. They didn't. They didn't go away from it. And Lord and behold, they, they figured out a way to win. Because when you when you move the ball like that and you keep your offense off the field, limit Patrick Mahomes' possessions. Those are the kind of results you get. Does Chris Jones need to be moved back inside against run heavy teams? I would agree. I would agree with that statement, especially when you're like you just said, having the versatility is great. It's good, but it isn't then you have to use it all the time. Like you just said, based off matchups, we're playing against a pass-heavy team. He can move outside and get some different matchups against certain tackles and certain guards, and I love that. When it's a run-heavy team, maybe he should play more three and five take that week. So I, I, I'll agree with that statement for sure. Yeah, it's just he did not know how to cover the the option and, and the read option, and then he just didn't. He just looked lost out there. And again. I like him being versatile, like you just said. I like him being first. I like him at defensive end against pass-heavy teams. I mean, the man, he's just – he's never done that before. And so to ask him to do that against the best at it, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are the absolute best at that. That's just, I, I can't even be mad at Chris. That's just bad game planning from the Chiefs' standpoint, like – no, and they right. kept they kept doing it. He played seventy five percent of the defensive snaps, which I don't have the numbers in front of me. That has to be higher than normal. I mean, just for a defensive lineman, I know Chris Jones is elite, but seventy five percent seems like a lot of snaps, especially when you're getting torched out there like he was. No, like you just said, that's a lot of snaps. The only guys that played more than him were who we got. We got Dan Source and Tyron Matthew, Snead, Charbarius. Yeah, the yeah, all the all DBs who can't who can't who have no choice but to be on the field. So right. your your D tackle who's a big boy who usually like you said need to rotate in and out just to get their breath because they 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 lose their win a little quicker than the other guys. You don't want to have your D tackle playing that many snaps. And I literally we were we did me and Caleb did a pre show talk on uh, Spaces on Twitter. I literally said they are going to leave whoever the three technique or the five technique is is technique is needs to get ready. They're going to be on the island the whole game. The Baltimore Ravens, like you just said, are masters at leaving people unblocked because they zone read you to death. They do it with pulling guards. They do it towards you. They do it away from you. They're going to leave you on that island to make sure, are you reading your key? Do you step up field? Do you step down? Do you just fly up field and not know? Do you take the running back? Do you take the quarterback? And like you just said, Chris isn't, isn't used to being in those situations that many times. And we left him on that edge. The Ray Baltimore Ravens knew that, and they kept going against us. So they kept putting him on that island, make him let him make a decision. Whatever he does, we do the opposite. And Chris isn't like – the lightest of foot guys. He does make plays with his hands, but if you're putting Chris Jones in the open field with Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, bro. Lamar Jackson is going to win that battle 10 out of 10. So <laughs> unless he just flies up the field and just breaks up the play and breaks up the mesh, if you put him in that, in that island when they're reading him and he has to step down, there's really no way you can be right because if you step down, they pull it around. If you fly up field, they give it. So it, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. So I'm not mad at Chris like you said, but that's a lot to ask a guy to cover in a, in a, in a phone booth. Hey, I need you to go tackle Lamar Jackson. That's very, very hard. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. Not just Chris Jones, anyone would struggle with that situation. Exactly. I just, you know, I didn't really think Frank played that poorly, actually. I mean, obviously, all the front seven didn't play well at all. And, you know, maybe it was just because the rest of the crew that was getting gashed, Frank gets thrown in that. I thought he played okay just because he knows how to play that against a little better than most. It's just, again, like we were saying, the Ravens are going to exploit that more than most teams. Jumping to the next, the next big glaring thing when you look at the snap counts, snap, who got the most snaps. Juan Thornhill's eleven defensive snaps, man. It. Why do we keep coming back to this? Why do the Chiefs keep refusing to play him more and play Daniel Sorensen, who had nine missed tackles on the year already? 
No, no one knows this answer. We had these questions in the preseason game when they had that tweet come out that he was running with the threes. I thought it was to preserve his knee, just to not get him as many reps, to maybe give him a day off. And then when the season starts, I thought he would come back into his role. We saw him make a pick in the preseason game to get himself back on track in Arizona. And then he made a play last week in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. To see him, it's trending in the right direction, like me and you say last episode. And then to see these things happen last night, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm hoping we can get some insight and figure out what it is. Juan Thornhill tweeted out some words of encouragement today. He's just going to keep doing what he does and keep working. So it's either the coaching staff don't trust him or they don't think he's not ready. So I don't see where the disconnect is. I thought he was trending in the right way, like you said, man. I I, I, I want to see Juan because I love Dirty Dan. He oh, He's always good for that one play a game, which is great. But Juan's just a better athlete in the open field. Everybody agrees with that. So if yeah. there's a running back in the field, I'll take Juan trying to get him on the ground before Dan. So um, I'm, I'm hoping they figure it out this week. Hopefully they give him some more reps because they watch the film like we watch the film. Dandy Dan missed a lot of tackles, like many other guys. <laughs> he wasn't the only one that's absolved of that. But, um, yeah, the Juan needs to be on the field, man. I, 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 don't, I, don't get the, I don't get the 11 snaps. That's crazy. For a team that ran the ball consistently and a young and athlete, a good, strong athlete like Juan who comes downhill – yeah, for him not to play, that that that's some, something's going on in there. I don't know what it is. Right, because, like, yes, I'm going to think of Daniel Sorensen more naturally when I'm thinking of run defense safety. But, like, that's Juan Thornhill has it in his game. Like, he can play that. And when Dan's missing tackles and not being in the right spot, like, it's at least worth giving Thornhill a, a chance. I mean, I, I just – yeah, I don't – you got talented guys. I don't know why they don't they don't play him more. Um, we'll just have to see how he progresses through the year, and it may get to the point where the Chiefs don't have another option and they have to play him. And you know, I hope it doesn't come to that where he's where he's sitting on the bench until they're so fed up with with Daniel Sorensen he comes in. But as of right now, that looks like where we could be headed. No facts. We get we got to figure something out on defense because the job job does not get any easier. We got the LA Chargers coming in this week, so you know all the and. For the first two weeks, it's not a surprise. Chiefs are dead last in stopping the run. So <laughs> it's not a surprise to anyone. It's been two games. Cleveland ran it extremely well. Baltimore ran it extremely well last night. So it should be coming as a surprise to no one. The thing that probably upsets me the most is when you look at Frank and Chris as like the QB pressures. That's the thing that kind of affects it. Because when you think Ronnie Staley being out, they're starting left tackle. Orlando Brown's traded to the Chiefs. They have moved Villain the Waver to the left side. They have a new starter at right tackle. It's a lot of moving parts. So a lot of people assumed that they were going to have a good day. For them not to put – I'm not saying they had to go out there and get five sacks apiece, but to go out there and not affect Lamar and like to like get pressure up the field and make their guards and tackles uncomfortable, to make them have to go more max pro and keep guys in the block, that, that, was, that, was, that was very upsetting a little bit because I expected those guys to dominate those matchups. When you look at that backup tackle, backup guard, you, you expect those guys to have a better day than what they did. Right. I mean, part of it's, you know, when you're getting gashed that much by the run and, you know, Lamar only threw the ball 26 times and they had, uh, I, I Sorensen had a sack and then the two picks. So it's like when they threw the ball, they, they had, the Chiefs had decent success. I know Hollywood Brown had that 42 yard uh, touchdown reception on bro, on blown coverage and Mark Andrews, I think, made a couple nice plays, but. I, again, against the Ravens, it's not doesn't really matter on the, the like Lamar's going to take care of the passing game for you if he has to. You know, he he missed Brown early in the game when on a broken coverage, and again he did talked yep, about the two picks. One. So exactly. you know, I'm if there's any game where I'm not nearly as worried about the pressures it is against the Ravens. It just comes down to I mean, you know what they're going to do, and you still couldn't stop them all game, and it's just frustrating. But you know, it is just one game. There's 15 more of them. 
Patrick and, and Kelsey had a, had great games again. Uh, I, I think Tyreek played well too. He was just the focus of the Ravens' defense, so his his numbers don't don't flash at you. But he he did his job for the most part out there. You know, as long as those three guys are are at least doing their jobs, then this team's going to win ball games. And they did last night, and it really just came down to a couple key plays that the Ravens were able to perform better than the Chiefs. Some guys that did have some good games that, you know, kind of are surprising. Pringle, Hardman, and Robinson, all three of them, you know, they, they showed some flashes. Man, what all you played. Kind of Thanks. What, yeah, what'd you think of those guys? No, they, they all got a lot of reps, They all and they all made good plays. D-Rod ran up the field. Let's clap it up for him. Uh, right. He made a play right. and did, 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 did things he was supposed to do. Miko was getting involved heavy. When the offense first came out for the first couple of drives, I mean, mo- most of the guys, when they caught the ball, they made plays. So, D-Rob got in the end zone. Pringle had a nice little play across the field and got in the end zone. And Miko caught the ball and, and did his thing as well. So, all guys got touches. And when you look at the um, the snap share, uh, Byron got 22%. D-Rob had 59%. And Miko was at 78%. So, Miko played the most out of um, out, of, out, of all, out of all three guys. But um, definitely all guys made an impact when they touched the ball. So, And obviously, overall, besides the defense, that was a clean game. For the receivers, so if we can, like you just said, if we can get Miko, uh, Pringle, and D. Rob to do those kind of things consistently, that's I think that's most of what Chiefs Kingdom's always wanted. To those guys, like we know, none of them are going to be a thousand yard receivers because you have two guys that are eating up twelve to fourteen hundred yards a year every every year. So that's where most of the yards is going to go. Then the rest of the guys kind of got to just spread it out. But if those guys can do what they did, like they did last night, I think most people would be happy with that. Right. I mean, the, the stat line. I mean, I know it wasn't crazy for none of them, but for overall, for what it was. I'll take I'll, t- I'll take that. So if Pringle gets a touchdown, D. Rob got a touchdown. I mean, Pringle had two catches, D. Rob had three, and Miko ended the game with how I many? With five. So yeah, if they, if they spread it out like that and they combine for sixty, fifty, and forty yards, so um, that that's it's almost an even pretty uh, target share between those three. That's right. what most Chiefs Kingdom wanted. Like when you when the ball is thrown to you, you're not going to get a lot of targets. Just make the plays when they come to you. Count. Don't yeah. hurt yourself by counteracting the play so i agree with you but i think i think those three guys look good for what they did right i think it's kind of the things that's kind of being you know forgot about in this game like the big question the reason we we spent so much time during the offseason talking about wide receiver two and wide receiver three is because we wanted to know what the chiefs were going to do when teams took away one of kelsey or hill if not both obviously it's very difficult to take away both well, the Ravens made it their sole priority to take away Tyreek Hill, and they did a fabulous job at that. So it was who was going to step up, and all three of those guys stepped up and made plays when they wanted to, like you said. And so I think I think they deserve a little bit more credit than they're getting today just because the Chiefs lost. They did exactly what we wanted them to do, and the Chiefs put up points. I mean, they put up 35 points. Yes, they had zero in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it was it was a good effort from the wide receiver court. No, the old receiver core did they think. I mean, and naturally so. If Tyreek Hill, he had 197 yards last week, so <laughs> right. any, any D coordinator's focal point is, hey, we're not going to let this guy go for almost 200 yards again, back right. to back. That's that's how you get fired. So it's like if anybody's going to beat us, I'm not going to let this guy beat me who just went nuclear the week before. So, And honestly, if it – and Trav made a good play because he's the best in the league at what he does. His run after catch is crazy. If right. they get Trav on the ground, they really don't give up too many yards through the air. Right, like, he's sitting around 60, 70 times. Exactly, because that, that was that was about a 40, 50 yard play on there. So yeah. um if they if they get it, they figure out a way to get him on the ground or, or don't let that ball get complete, it's overall a good day. Cause other outside of Kelsey, nobody really went off. You had Pringle had 60, Nicole had 50, D Rod with 40, Blake Bell had a couple catches, and everybody else kind of sprinkled in, and Tyreek Hill only had three for 14. So overall, 
if you're a, if you're a Baltimore team, you're happy with that. Like, just don't right. let it. Just if you get that one guy on the ground, that changes everything. So, but like we said, at the, at the end of the day, the offense did their job. Thirty five points, thirty five points. As a defense, you walk around the locker room, and obviously, everyone has a piece of the pie. But we know who gets the most most of the blame for that game. You can't give up thirty six and expect to win football games every single week when your when your offense is out there scoring at will. So obviously, right. you know, you never want to turn the ball over. Turnovers are never acceptable. Interception, fumbles, all of those. But when you get two interceptions, you win the turnover battle, and then you you get mo- you gain multiple possessions of what you already have. You have to win those games when you win the turnover differential. So that's probably the thing that's probably the most disappointing. But overall, um, definitely the defense has to be better. For better than the game's not that close. Yep. Nope. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. Now let's take a look. Let's take a deep breath. We it's like we said, only one one fifteen weeks left. 15 games left. Chargers are coming into town next week. And, you know, they're coming off a tough loss, too, because they they put they were like the Chiefs were the, as maybe they didn't put up as many points, but they had some offense in that game, but made too many mistakes and led to them losing on a last second field goal field goal to the Cowboys at home. What do you kind of expect from the first divisional game of the season? It's gonna be a great game, man. It's another good matchup, another good um offense coming in the building. Um Justin Herbert. Patrick Mahomes, we're going to see those two names on, on boards for a lot of years to come. So, um, Herbert, definitely. Uh, I did, did you get a chance to catch that game? I watched it. Um, yeah, it was a good game. It was, it was, it was, it was way game. lower scoring than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going yeah. to be uh, like a 30-40 type, type game. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so it'll it'll definitely come down to, come down to how Herbert and Eckler and Allen, if they're able to stop Keen Allen and Mike Williams. Mike Williams had a big game yesterday. I mean, there's man, just a lot of – good, man. Mike Williams looks good. There's a lot of weapons on this Chargers offense that you have to keep track of. And the defense, again, they played pretty good against Deck. And what there's some crazy stat where like that was the first Cowboys win where they didn't where the Cowboys didn't score 30 points in a long time. So credit to the Chargers defense. I don't know the stats off the top, but I, I know it was good to see Murray come back in at linebacker. I know Dermot James had a sack. Uh, I don't remember hearing Bosa's name much watching that game. I'm trying to think back. I don't think he did much. I heard some, I saw some he, pressures, but not not too many sacks. Not that I not that I know of. Right, right. But we know what he can do. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. was making plays Man, it's out in his there. Blood, but that's how you know we're getting old, bro. We watched yeah. Asante Samuel, his dad play. Now we're watching his son, bro. I felt so old. Hey, I'm like Junior. I'm like, good lord, man. Hey, Pat Sertan Junior is gonna come here too later in the year. It's bro, just, I feel so old. I've seen Marvin Harrison as Juniors. His son is playing football. Joey uh, Porter Junior's son is playing football. Oh man, bro, it's so many games. I'm hearing all these Juniors. I'm like, bro, that's how you know we're all getting old, bro. All right. the guys we watched in our childhood and now have kids that are playing in the NFL or potentially going to play in the NFL. It's it's crazy, bro. Not to cross over, but the first time I felt old really was was Vlad Junior when when Vlad Guerrero Junior. Was, oh uh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. for the Blue Jays. That was yeah. the first one that hit me where I was like, "Wow, oh, wow!" I was a big Vladdy guy, and uh, now his son's in, and it just keeps going. It's gonna, you know, Junior. Junior's always been popular. It feels like it's been a lot more popular in recent years. I don't know if that's just because all of these young guys uh, are making it up or what, but there's a lot of juniors around, and uh, yeah, I definitely don't like seeing. I, Pat Sertan and Asante Samuel, who's on the Chargers, Jr., coming in next week. So No, it's definitely going to be. And I think um, Chris Harris didn't play uh, yesterday as well. So right, uh, right, he's, right. he's going to be excited to, to get back on the field and play against the Chiefs, former Denver Bronco, now with the L.A. Chargers. So, you know, he's used to coming in here and playing against this crowd and seeing how loud Arrowhead gets. So he's going to be hyped for that game as well. So it's going to be a good game. They have the line right as of now. 
not not adding any injuries or hopefully no one gets COVID or anything. They have it at Chiefs by six and a half. Oh, uh, I know that, that's that's kind of nasty. I know I think that's too high too. What do you what what's your what's your early prediction for now, for now, buddy? Early prediction on a Monday, man. The fifty five and a half over under is also high. That but, is high. But but I'm it's like I know, but like the Chiefs always score thirty. That's my thing. It's like I, I know, I know. And so with the it's like it you you're thinking like I'm gonna have to take the over, but I'm taking I'm taking the Chargers as far as the Chiefs spread. have to cover. Yeah, as absolutely. Far as absolutely. Me too. I think Me too. Chiefs <laughs> went by three or four. Let's go thirty four thirty. I'm def- I'm definitely taking the over as well. I think because the Chiefs are always good for a good 30 piece. And if you tell me right. the Chargers can't score 25, and they easily could have put up 30 yesterday. So um, right. that's a team that's very high scoring. Like you said, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Jared Cook as well. A lot of guys that get the ball too. So um, I'm definitely taking the over. I'm taking the Chargers for the spread. I'm, I'm not fooling with six and a half. That's way too high. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Chiefs 33, Chargers 30. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, I, I, it sounds like I stole your score first since no. I went first because yeah. we dang, we dang near had the same score, bro. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we we know the Chiefs are they're they're an explosive team. They can always get forty whenever they want to. But regressing from the game we just had, the guys got to go out there and earn it, bro. So you hear you see guys like Tyreek Hill tweeting, "We'll see you guys in the playoffs." Guys are pissed right. off about the loss, and they should be pissed off. But at the end of the day, the film don't lie. The eye in the sky doesn't lie, Chris. So. There are a lot of mistakes being made. I'm sure guys were in the film room today getting right, figuring out what they need to do and be better. The Chargers are going to be hungry, like you just said. So it's going to be a fun game. Two games, two teams are going to be pissed off. So it's going to be a good game Sunday. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And right before we wrapped up, we kind of skipped over it. What, what's your key to the game? What's what's going to be the the deciding factor, you know, if the Chiefs do this well or the Chargers don't do this well, the Chiefs will win the game? Uh, I think the biggest factor is just, like we just said, it's, the, um, it's what everybody's going to be looking at. Are we going to stop the run and we are, and are we going to get pressure? That's the biggest thing. I know, I know you pointed out our secondary, and that's one of the things I said all summer, how does our secondary look against these elite receivers? And this is probably the first heavy passing team we're going to see, Baltimore and Cleveland being more run-heavy teams. Um, but I think that the two biggest points would be our, our front our front D-line. How do we do? Do we stop the run and do we get pressure on Justin Herbert? Because like you just said, if 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 Herbert's comfortable, he, he's a guy that, that, can, that can dice you up and put up points. We saw how he played against us last year, so – He's definitely going to be excited for this matchup. So those are probably my my biggest points. The D-line, do we stop the run and do we get pressure? Do we correct our mistakes? My key, and I think it's going to be my key for until it's proven not to be good, let Patrick Mahomes do his thing. Let Mahomes cook. Don't take it out of his hand. I mean, the man only had seven incompletions last night on a, on a game to where if you put the ball in his hands there at the end, yes, you should be able to trust your running back. And yes, it was a freak play. If you throw, if you throw a quick, if you throw a quick pass last night, it's game over. You know, it's it's it is what it is. So exactly, don't take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. Let him be the. Vo- you don't have to have a rushing attempt. You really don't. You could throw a swing pass, you, a swing. Yeah, yeah, there's so many other ways to to things. to have those kind of plays drawn up in the passing game. Obviously, I, that's not what's going to happen. There are going to be traditional runs. That's just how we're still in the NFL. But the key is is let Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes, and exactly. every, everything's going to be okay. So. I don't want. I don't want to pick on Clyde too much, but like you just said, you can't let go of the ball. But that could have happened to anyone. If he throws a, yeah. if he throws a, if he throws a slant to Miko, D. Rob, or Trav or Tyreek, and no, and the guys fumble, 
the same reaction would have been the same thing. Why'd you let go of the ball? Blah, blah, blah. So turnovers are never good, regardless of how the play call is. At the end of the day, the ball is the security. So you got to secure the ball at all times. Right. For sure. But all right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at what well, I'm blanking the, the, the no, you're gonna, at, at the aftermath, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And you can follow me on Twitter at 10 penny 88 and uh, CJ, where can the good people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at CGZ 81 C J E E Z Y 81. Yes, sir. For sure. And I always love talking to you guys. We're always on there talking sports, especially chiefs football. So I'd love to interact with you guys, but Again, appreciate you listening, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!